Summer is officially here, baby. And we could think of no better way to stay cool this summer than by giving back to others. On September 1st, Laura and I will be donating $1 for every rating and $2 for every written review on Apple Podcasts to a charity that you, our listeners, get to help us pick. Follow us on our socials at Impolite Society Podcast to find out more about how we're going to be picking our charity and to weigh in and let us know what charity you want us to support. But that's not it, because not only are you helping us help others, you also have a chance to help yourself. Not only are we going to be cutting a check to a charity on September 1st, we are also going to be choosing a written review at random to win a $50 gift card and some Impolite Society swag. So if you leave us a review, let us know by taking a screenshot and emailing it to us at rude at impolitesocietypodcast.com or slip it into the DMs of any of our socials. Fixing this messed up world is hard, but when you take a couple seconds to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, you can rest assured that you did something positive with your summer and you helped us improve the world one dollar at a time. Thank you so much for listening. Now to the show. You're listening to Impolite Society with Laura and Rachel. Cause I'm a happy, a happy guy. Cause I'm a happy, happy guy. Welcome to the 21st century. Laura and I got a TikTok. And that's all I watch is happy dog videos. What else would you watch? So welcome to 2021, year of the talk, and welcome to (laughs) Impolite Society, the podcast where we dig into taboo topics by asking each other a rude question every week or every episode. How often do we do this? Every two weeks. Every two weeks. Every two weeks, a new episode. We are your hosts. My name is Rachel. Rachel. It is what it is. I didn't pick it. I'm Laura. AKA Pork Princess and Turd. <laughs> we got our first cyber bullies. We made a YouTube station. It was wonderful. He called us a turd. We loved it. Rachel shamed me for loving pork, the pork princess. On uh, I didn't come up with that. Eating with a regular guy. Everything's coming up podcast roses, everyone. Yeah, we're feeling really good. Our self esteem is really high. This is how we like it. Turd. I have an interesting story where my self-esteem was also not as high as it could be. So I went to a wedding like just a weekend or two ago. And, you know, I was raring to go been locked up for a year. I'm like, let me on the dance floor. (laughs) I mean, it was great. I had a blast. The bar was open. Love was in the air. And the buffet was stacked. (laughs) I don't even feel hungry by the time dinner comes around. But then they roll out this buffet of this delicious smelling food. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I want that. Load it up. Server wearing mask and rubber gloves and a hazmat suit. Just lay it on. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. They, they ask, how many rolls do you want? Is that even a question? Three. How many? All of them. How many are you going to stack on there? That's that's the answer. How many you got? <laughs> so I got that. And of course, I, lo- I load up on the bread and the pasta and we go through it again. I mean, it's, it's seconds. It's all you eat buffet. That's what it's about. Weddings should ha- come with a vomitorium as far as I'm concerned. Like, uh, give truly. me that food. Exactly. And I mean, so after dinner, I'm already pushing my shapewear to its limits. <laughs> and then dessert. And it was medieval ah. punt 
kicks. And I'm like, oh my God, gimme, gimme, gimme. I had two, no kidding, two back to back. Didn't even think about it. And I, at this point, throw in some beer from the open bar on top of that mix of food. That stew. Yeah, I'm feeling heavy, to say the least. (laughs) And not going to lie, it led to a little bit of trouble and awkwardness on the dance floor later that night. Not grooving exactly the way that you wanted to while your uh, full belly's getting in the way. Let me say my body was doing body rolls, but not the sexy kind. It was just kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> flop, 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 bleh. So then I have a confession. Go, go. This is not the first time I've eaten myself to this point. <gasps> what? Shocker. No one has ever done that before. But, you know, I, this happens way more than it probably should. We even have a whole holiday that's literally just dedicated to stuffing ourselves. I feel like we definitely have more than one of those holidays. You've got 4th of July. You've got Christmas. You've got Easter. Of course, you got Thanksgiving, which is solely dedicated. But, I mean, every single one of them really is about food, 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 food. But truly, Turkey Day is the day that's all about pounding as much as you can into your body. I mean, really, really, it's like a Tuesday for me. It's like, really, that's the holiday. <laughs> well, truly. Oh, my gosh. Every day is a reason to celebrate, baby. <laughs> but this leads me to my rude question. We've all been there. We've all eaten so much where we feel like we're at the point where we're going to burst. My rude question today Can I literally eat so much in one sitting that I kill myself, that my stomach bursts and I die? I've definitely wondered this question myself. I think this is an awesome topic because as a frequent binge eater, uh, this is something that has crossed my mind on several occasions. I've known in my circles, aka my family, (laughs) as somebody who can put away an inordinate amount of food. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to the pasta house on all you can eat Mm -hmm. spaghetti night. I knock down two big plates and one little plate. And I'm like, my people are shocked. They're just shocked. They don't, I, I'm, I could be a competitive eater. <laughs> but it's not just me. Americans in general are eating more. In fact, our average caloric intake per day has increased 25% from 1961 to 2013. And I think, you know, this might be just speculation, but I think it went up another 25% percent since COVID. the pandemic started oh yeah covid 19 the 19 pounds that is completely legit and while we love chowing down and we have holidays around it and we all rely on it as an emotional support system during tough times there's still a really big taboo around overeating uh yeah i really think that there is i mean i would love to do a whole podcast on binge eating and the shame associated with it. There is a taboo around overeating. And you, that is most clearly summated. Is that a word? Summarized? In the fact that one of the seven deadly sins is gluttony. And if you are gluttonous, that could get you murdered. But the good news is that good old Missouri boy Brad Pitt will show up and I think solve the murder. I've never seen it. Does his wife's head get cut off? His wife's head does get cut off. He does solve the murder, but the guy is still dead. At what cost? At what cost, indeed. 
And it is absolutely seven sin. And I remember having trouble with this when I was like in grade school and learning about, you know, the Catholicism and the seven deadly sins. And I was like, I'm fat. Am I going to hell because I'm fat? (laughs) (laughs) You and the rest of us, kiddo. (laughs) We're all on the express train. All because we like to eat that food. Eat that what? (laughs) Food. Food. So, I mean, obviously, there's we're all about eating. It's We got celebrations around it, but we're still taboo. So what's the worst that can happen when you eat? Can you eat yourself to death? Literally the question that we're going to get into today right after this quick break. Hello, everybody. My name's Matt. I'm Brent. And we host ReviewParty.com. It's the only podcast that reviews internet reviews from Amazon, Yelp, Google, and all of the others. I think we got a little clip to share. This is a review from TrustedCaskets.com. <laughs> James Rafalo titles his review, Outstanding Quality. I suspect my dad will enjoy it. It's a rich mahogany casket along the lines of what he requested. But it doesn't matter anyhow. He's not in a position to complain. Good job. Five stars. Your dad's dead, dude. <laughs> hey, cracking cool. jokes. Too soon. <laughs> my love of the dedication to the bit is at odds with my love of living fathers. Nothing quite like a living dad. <laughs> night of the living dad. That's every night. I hope for everyone out there. You can find ReviewParty.com wherever you listen to podcasts. Every Tuesday reviews they and at ReviewParty.com.com. You got links to all the episodes and all kinds of other fun stuff on there. Join the party. Laura, have you ever thought that you were going to die from overeating? Not die, but I've definitely been like, oh, this is not good. This is bad. This is very, very bad. Most often at Mexican restaurants because... Oh, my God, the chips. The chips, man. Just keep them coming. I will eat myself sick on some chips every time. 100%. Ugh. So when it comes to eating, right, so before we dive into the subject of whether we can actually die or not from overeating, I want to like give us a little background information. I want to talk about some of the mechanics of, of what happens when we eat. And to do that, I want to start with the three major players on the stage of digestion. I'm here And for a it. lot of this comes from our queen, Mary Roche, who is uh, author of the book Gulp and Stiff and... I found several articles of hers in the research of this, and she's got a new book coming out. So check it out. So the three major players in eating are, of course, our stomach, Mm -hmm. nom, 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 (laughs) nom, our esophagus, which is our our canal that gets it to the tummy. Glob, 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 glob. And then third, the brain? What? I feel like you're missing a crucial... Well, the mouth. Yes, that's what I'm here for is the chewing, the tasting, the textures in my mouth as I swallow it down. That's what I'm here for. Well, okay, I maybe misset misset the stage. Uh, Not the major players in eating, but the major players in knowing you are full. And breaking this shit down. Okay, okay. Yeah, and managing appetite. Got it. Because these three will all come back in. To play when we talk about can we actually die or not from eating too much. Got it. So our puppet master behind the scenes is your brain, right? So this is the command central, like that movie inside out, poking all the buttons, getting things going. Is your brain secretly a slave to your stomach? 
because they are connected by a string or a cable through the vagus nerve. Vagus. Vagus <laughs> nerve. Thank God you went to school and learned about the human body. <laughs> I know nothing about this. So this nerve is a hormone highway. Hormone highway. I know. I like alliteration. What can I say? It's the poor man's literary device. <laughs> So the tum-tum, when it hits empty, when it's running on low, our insulin levels drop and we get hit right in the hypothalamus theorem. Hypothalamus. The hypothalamus. We get a, a punch right there. And that's essentially, in layman's term, the deep part of our brain that regulates basic functions like hunger, thirst, and thirst, if you know what I'm saying. Yo, sexy thirst. Yeah, so it manages all that basic function. So when our tummy is empty. The cave brain. The cave brain. Yes. So when it's empty, it, it triggers that little section going. And that's when we get hit with this hormone called ghrelin, a.k.a. Wait, did I get it right? I think so. I think it's ghrelin. Ghrelin, don't get it wet after midnight or something like that. <laughs> don't even after midnight. Apparently, it's just a bad idea in general. Gremlins know the deal. Your ghrelin knows the deal. Just don't eat after midnight. Don't do guys. it. So this is what, because when it gets out and about, it stimulates our appetite, which oops, we all know what fucking appetite is. Hello, you're talking to the pork princess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she knows. Oh, she knows. It'll never die. <laughs> and that's just the saying, you know, I'm going to translate what's happening here. Ready? Here it goes. Me want food. <laughs> Thanks, Jenna. <laughs> I love it. And that's when we want to eat. So when we start to chow down, we will eat until our fat tissues expel leptin. And this chemical tells our brain that we're full, ideally. So... This did not seem right to me because our fat tissues tell us when to stop eating. I feel like if that was the case, I got a lot of those fuckers and I don't feel like they're telling me to stop. They're saying we want more. <laughs> Give us little brothers and sisters. Yeah. Keep eating. Yes. Yes. I feel like that's exactly what they're saying. That could be one of the flaws because there are quite a few flaws in this plan evolution thank you one of them being that it does not happen in real time it's like come on body get with the times i can watch at least three episodes of 30 rock before my brain realizes that i just jammed too many chips in my tummy tum oh definitely <laughs> i mean i'd say the the clock the scientific clock would say it takes up to 15 minutes for your tummy to really tell your brain that it's full. That's why they're all like, eat slow. Put your fork down. Use chopsticks. I'm going to yeah. just dump it into my, my gullet. <laughs> but it's also like, you're so close. Work on your communication. Come on. The proximity's <laughs> there. Yeah. And you're just time goes by so fast, man. You can eat a lot in 15 minutes. I can eat a lot in 15 uh, minutes. I'm not going to tell you how much. Come on. Human body do better. That's the point there. Another major flaw is who wants to listen to something as stupid as hormones? Food be tasty. And I'm not going to be bound to my physical form. My body is a cage. I'm in charge here and I do what I want. And if I like how that tastes, I'm going to keep eating it. Give me the butt cakes. Bring on the bunts. 
It's my hot body. I do what I want. Shut up, hormones. I will override your ass because it tastes too fucking good. This is why they a lot of people criticize like the modern food industry for making things so sugar, salt, fat, heavy. It's so good that it overrides everything that our bodies tell us that we should eat because we're like, no, no, I want it. I want it. Mm, living in a caveman paradise. <laughs> yeah. That's our modern world. I'm like, I'm going to eat all the strawberries I want. Strawberries are pretty good. They're like nature's candy. I still can't eat the volume of strawberries that I can of Oreos in one sitting because uh, God might have made a strawberry, but humans made an Oreo. It's water content is why you can't. And I can eat a shit ton of fruit. Anyway, that's a that's a whole other story. I can eat a lot of fruit. But I would prefer the Oreos, yes. <laughs> yes. Because it's literally made for us. Designed by humans for humans. <laughs> made for us by us. They should put FUBU on the package of an Oreo. Yeah, and Mother Nature ain't taking care of your shit like we are. We know what's up. We know what's up. We know what you want, girl. Girl, that's why you got that vibrator. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> for us by us. <laughs> That's how that works. The food goes in. We have these hormones that ticky-tock back and forth to each other that, you know, in an ideal world say, enough's enough. Time to be done. Cool it with the food. Inside of us, there's like these little hormones. Can you imagine? They're like, um, excuse me. I think I think it's time we should probably, we should probably stop. No! And then the brain comes in. Tastes good! Inside all of us. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. But that comes to the question. Can your brain be so powerful that it overrides those little puny hormones and the physical capacity of our stomachs? You know, we are confined to these physical beings as much as we, if our brain says, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to eat whatever I want. We're still confined to them. So, digging into the question, can you eat yourself to death? Probably not. And here's why. So there are several fail-safes for when a stomach becomes overfilled, like at a wedding or Mexican restaurant, or when you are got <laughs> two turkey legs in your hands and you're chowing down, talking about what you're grateful for. <laughs> so grateful for these two turkey legs. <laughs> As things escalate, when we continue to overload our tummy, there's several steps. Step one, cold level yellow. The stretch receptors in your stomach say, ooh, Oh, things are getting kind of tight here. Ideally, your brain's like, oh, then maybe I should stop shoving things down my mouth. In an afternoon setting, I feel like I adhere to this. Now, talking like 10 o'clock at night, for some reason, I'm, I'm going right past level yellow. <laughs> yeah, you level yellow, get out of here. That's literally a snack. <laughs> level slightly less yellow, more orange. What would you call that? <laughs> What's a yellow orange? ochre level ochre oh gosh this is good it triggers a transient lower esophageal sphincter relaxation <laughs> aka the t-l-e-s-r a t-l-e-s-r tlesler it's yes. tesla tesla elon musk is coming for our bellies <laughs> or if if you want to call it like a normal human would, it's a burp. Oh. That's a fancy word for a burp. That is a very fancy word for a burp. It's a lot of words. Like, just call it a belch, a burp. And it actually serves a very important purpose. We've all 
belched after a heavy meal. And it's because our stomach is so stretched. It's like, we got we to gotta make some room. So it vents. It relaxes, like it says, that lower esophageal sphincter. And it lets the gases out and up and out our mouths in a very charming way. And if you're very talented, you can actually capture this gas and use it to form every letter of the alphabet. <laughs> My baby, Charlotte, she'll eat half a bottle have a burp and then go right back She's at it making room like, you are my daughter <laughs> that's for her. and that's so true because like charlotte eating to that point belching and making room is fucking child's play so yeah, we're on truly. level ochre and blowing right past like it. this is a typical weekend meal that's oh, yeah. fine so now we get into true level orange burnt sienna Things are getting <laughs> things are getting bad. This is when you transcend from just discomfort and belching to straight pain. Okay. And my least favorite feeling in the world, nausea. Yeah. Somewhere between step two and step three. Somewhere between ochre and uh burnt sienna. I'm like, nope, I hate it. Because this this feeling, this pain and nausea feeling is one of my least favorite feelings in the entire world. Though I have definitely been there. Uh, many a times. It's one of my least favorite feelings. It is. It's not fun. And this is about where I was on the dance floor. It's hard to get down to Little John's Get Low when you're in physical pain. Lots of <laughs> said that. From the window! To the wall! To the bar fronts down my chin! To the bile builds up within! Oh, vom, 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 vom. Oh, matrimonial vomitorium. <laughs> when is that going to become the next wedding trend? Let's get that in Bride Magazine. We're going to be rich. <laughs> so once you cross from red, you get into the danger zone, which is level four red alert, flashing lights. Your body says, no, I physically cannot handle any more of this nonsense. We are vacating and this is about time you're making your pilgrimage to pay homage at the porcelain altar aka blow chunks a healthy stomach will (laughs) spew before well before anything inside bursts ruptures or splits you're pretty safe so we're not even to the point where we're throwing up if you haven't eaten to the point that you're gonna vomit you're doing pretty good. You're not really in danger of eating so much that you, you eat yourself to death. <laughs> okay. Good to know. So when would your belly burst hypothetically? Typically, your tum tum, your tummy, your tummy rummy will rupture okay. at three to four liters. Is liters a metric unit? Uh, uh, yes. I don't know how much three to four liters is, but I can tell you an American red, white, and blue bald eagle <laughs> Statue of Liberty style, that is about a gallon. I feel like that's... Not that much. That's what they found from doing a study on a cadavers. So a cadaver is not living. Duh. <laughs> That's groundbreaking reporting right there. But a cadaver is not living in the fact that the food isn't moving through the digestive system. Okay, it's not passing little through es- to the small intestine. Exactly. Your little escape hatch at the bottom is also moving stuff out, I think, within a certain amount of time. So that's helping. And also, when you're dead, you're a little bit stiffer. 
There's not as much that. Yeah, there's you have a little bit more flexibility when you're alive. And that's evident in the fact that competitive eaters regularly eat themselves past that limit. You mean or Laura regularly eats herself past that limit. (laughs) You do not eat more than a gallon of food in one sitting. I I mean, define a sitting. Is that like an hour? Well, okay, maybe over the course of hours, maybe. I don't know what you do. Yeah, I feel like over a like, party where there's like, a free-for-all like food table. Mm, it's probably less than you think. Uh, I don't know. Also, what helps it stretch, too, with the cadavers is they're testing it with water, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're pouring it down the throat so it goes fast. If you go slower, you can get a little bit more stretch, like... When you're visiting the Horde Dwarves, the Horde Dwarves table, as we would say in the Midwest, the Horde Dwarf table, if you're visiting it over and over again, you're going to get more capacity. It's kind of like anal. You know, you start with one finger and then you make your way to two. Like, you can't start with the three fingers. You got (laughs) to. Okay. I'm just saying, you can't start with a dick. You got to start, you know, you got to start small. I was not expecting that on tonight's conversation, but that's fair. For any part of the digestive system, it can always make room. (laughs) Room can be made. I was listening to a podcast earlier about sex, and so that's what first came to mind. (laughs) Yeah, because when I think about gorging myself to the point of thinking I'm going to die, sex pops right in. It's the first thing I want to do. I was thinking about making room, going slow. These are the things that you have to do when you're also preparing for... Have you ever eaten so much that you're like, there's no way, there's no way that anything else is fitting inside this thing <laughs> Literally tonight. on the other end. Oh, I'm not even talking about anal sex. I'm just like, there's no more volume. Every inch of their inside is spoken <laughs> it's for. It's Sorry. Try again <laughs> later. Try again later. <laughs> We're at capacity. No vacancy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that would come up tonight, but that's good. You know, I thought it was a good, clean fun. Some vomiting, some full tummies. No, we're going to we're gonna sneak sex in the back door. Oh, we're going to sneak some more food in the back door. That's what Laura's going to do. You can't sneak food in your ass. That's not how eating works. Says who? Says who? <laughs> I've heard of chugging beer in your ass, but not. Yeah. It just skips all the good parts. I mean, if you stick an Oreo up there, you know, we bet that'll boost your insulin levels. At what cost? <laughs> At what cost? <laughs> and I'm just like imagining cookies and cream ice cream. <laughs> just coming out like a <laughs> cookies and cream enema. Where's the cream? What's the cream in this scenario? I mean, it comes from out an outside donor. That's the whole idea. <laughs> <laughs> She's scandalized, ladies and gentlemen. I'm scandalized. I'm very reserved and demure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> Some of this might be salvageable. I don't know what. Recenter. Ooh. <laughs> Breathe, Laura. Breathe. So, while our stomachs are not going to explode, good news, good news there, there's always exceptions to the rules. Nothing's ever 100%. 
Of course there are exceptions to rule, like when Kevin Spacey force feeds you at gunpoint until you die and Brad Pitt has to come solve your murder. Wait, Kevin Spacey was the murderer in that movie? Yeah, he was. Oh my God, he killed people in the movie and he killed people's innocence and belief that you wouldn't get assaulted in showbiz. I forgot about that. That's sad. Okay. And he's dead now. It's fine. Kevin Spacey's dead? No, he's not. But he's dead to me. I was like, holy shit, did I miss this? His cultural relevance is dead. Whatever. I will watch House of Cards season one till the freaking cows Some come people home. tell me I look like that girl that got smoked by the train. And I'm like, oh, totally. I don't you totally know how do. I feel about that. You totally do look like her. I don't know how I feel about that. Okay. So while. While it's not likely, there's always exceptions. And just because something's not normal doesn't mean it can't happen. When you take away our body's abilities to do what comes naturally, things are going to go awry. And there's definitely instances where that has happened. Starting in 1891. The Gilded Age. Actually, I don't know if it's called the Gilded Age if it's in Sweden. No, I don't think so. Because this is happening in Stockholm, Sweden. A 52-year-old, I believe he was a cab driver, not super relevant, but he OD'd on opium. And as a result, was taken to the hospital for some therapeutic gastric rinsing, a.k.a. they are pumping his stomach. So each time they filled the stomach, they, they kept noticing it held a little bit more water. Um... Yeah, that's right. Homeboy had sprung a leak. So, like, when they would put it in, like, less would come out? They could just keep adding more and more. Oh, jeez. Oh, Jesus! right. So what happened? This guy, that pesky little drug called opium was actually preventing his body from performing that evacuation well. He was, he's like, kind of numb. Not numb, but what? What's <laughs> relaxed? Paralyzed? Paralyzed? You know, it shuts your functions down. So because of that, his he couldn't vomit. His stomach was becoming overstretched, and it literally sprung a leak. Oh, jeez. From his... From the cleansing. God, man. And he died. Yeah. They killed him by doing oh, that. Oh, jeez. He wasn't in a great state to begin with, but it actually... The doctors did studies, and it changed how they treated flushing the stomach or pumping the stomach. Well, I, he taught us a valuable lesson. Thank you for that, 50-year-old cab driver in Stockholm, Sweden. We appreciate your sacrifice. Yeah. So it can happen when narcotics or something else is stopping the body or numbing the body from being able to do what it needs to do. This reminds me of the time, you can probably cut this out, but I just want to tell the story. But my dad had colon cancer. They had to remove part of his colon, right? And you have to wait for peristalsis, I believe, for the, the, the colon to like restart before you can leave the hospital. He was in the hospital for a month, by the way. Uh, yeah. Before it uh, restarted, so he did long. not eat legitimate food for a month. He had to be uh, IV fluid. But anyway, so after his surgery, they were testing the waters and they were kind of going to see what happens. And they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll we'll order you lunch. By the time lunch came, he was so like distended in his stomach. They had to put an NG tube in where they like sucked all this shit out of his mouth. And so I, I've been at the hospital for like 12 hours. I'm sitting there eating his lunch, watching them shove <laughs> an NG tube down his throat and take out the most, vi- like a liter of like vile, black looking, disgusting shit out of his stomach. I'm sitting here eating a sandwich like, oh, that's gross. 
Oh, that's really nasty. Well, you couldn't have let it go to waste. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my mentality, but also I was fucking hungry because I was there for forever. It was gross. Wow. The human body, capable of such beauty and such disgustingness. It was like black as midnight, man. Whatever came out of him, it was foul. Wow. And that's, you know, probably something like that inside of us right now. Mm -hmm. So another case where somebody did over each to the point of death comes in the form of a 31-year-old psychologist from Florida. Ah, Of course. What a place to die. You know, the heat really sinks in fast. (laughs) I can't imagine the scene they stumbled upon. But she was found dead in her kitchen with her stomach very much descended. She had actually just returned. Oh, this hurts me in the heart. She had just returned from the emergency room where she had gotten her stomach pumped after eating pounds and pounds of hot dogs, crackers, and milk. So they uh, they cleared her out. She came home, and she instantly did the same thing. Oh, jeez, Louise. First of all, you're a psychologist, so you should know better. But as we all know, you know, those who can't do teach, right? But also, if I'm going to die from overeating, God, I hope it's for something better than hot dogs and crackers. Ugh. Yeah, because, girl, if you had told me I was going to die from wieners being shoved in my mouth, I would have a very different picture. <laughs> Whole different <laughs> mental image. Definitely. And it's just like, yeah, not for that. She literally stopped at the store on her way back and bought more. Poor thing. And then, like, you know, you make fun, but yeah, you, oh, that, that makes hurts. me sad. That yeah. hurts. That just makes me sad. As somebody who's had iffy relation, we both have issue, iffy relationships with food throughout our lives. It's just like, like part of me like gets it, and the other part is like, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, same, same. So, what happened in her case? It had not so much to do with the food. Like, she literally did it earlier that day. What her fatal mistake was, and this is a very legitimate tale of caution, is the most dangerous thing you can eat during a a binge like this is the last thing you eat. And that's not a thing about that, like the food, but what you do after you eat a lot and you feel uncomfortable. So she took bicarbonate of soda, a.k.a. baking soda, a.k.a. poor man's Alka-Seltzer. So she had literally in her shopping bag with the hot dogs and all the other junk, she had this just pure baking soda that she drank after. And everybody knows that when you mix baking soda and vinegar, what happens? Boom, you make a volcano. So if you put that into your acidic <laughs> stomach, yeah. it makes a lot of gas. And that's what helps, right? It makes you belch. But in this case, uh-huh. they think that one of the chunks of hot dogs, because, oh my God, she didn't even, homegirl didn't even chew them very well. So they had like big chunks of hot dogs. <sighs> they think a chunk of hot dog got lodged and blocked her esophagus so she wasn't able to burp. So then eventually her stomach just filled up with so much gas from the baking soda that it pushed her diaphragm up and asphyxiated oh my her. God. So at least that's fast. 
Uh, I don't think that was probably fast. I feel like that would be a slow. I mean, minutes. Suffo- slow suffocation, basically, because you can't breathe. Yeah, but that's that's going to be better than this next woman. <laughs> let me tell you. Because at least within minutes, you're gone, right? You're five to six minutes, right? Isn't that how long it would take? Probably. Like right. you die after three minutes, you go unconscious, and then you're, you're gone. Ugh. But anyways, word to the wise. If you've eaten yourself where, where you're in the, the ochre zone, or maybe tipping into the burnt sienna, <laughs> tiptoeing into the burnt sienna, drink some carbonated water or a soda or some white soda. Don't take baking soda because it's just too extreme or just alka-seltzer i feel like baking soda straight is a really extreme thing like go with the alka-seltzer or go with the white soda do not go with just straight baking soda and certainly not vinegar i don't know christ well the vinegar is what you've already eaten it's part of your uh like your stomach acid oh your gastric juices okay i i hear yeah one of the stories i learned about for Folks who died after taking baking soda or Alka-Seltzer, what a common denominator or something that came up several times, sauerkraut. Oh, like pickled items. Yeah, get the vinegar, you put the baking soda in, oh, kaboom. goodness. Yeah, I'm not touching any of that stuff anymore. I'm sticking to A, Oreos. Not overeating, <laughs> LOL. And B, Oreos. drinking carbonated water. <laughs> Oreos. What? Stick to Oreos. Oreos. No, don't binge eat on sauerkraut or pickles, everyone. What's your problem? I'm only doing my Oreos anally these days. <laughs> I just want an Oreo enema. My vegan enema, which is made of Oreos. <laughs> that's the only kind. That's the only kind I take. <laughs> Mash them up. Put them up. Get the cookies and cream going. <laughs> okay, here's our final tale of gore of, of somebody else who died from overeating. And this is a woman. She was young. Poor, sweet angel. She was 24. She's a model. Yeah. So you can already kind of imagine the way this is going to go. The year is 1985. And she comes into the hospital. Stomach so distended. Her inny belly button has become an Audi. So she's like pregnant, basically. Looks pregnant. Yes. Homegirl has eaten. Let me tell you. It sounds like the 12 days of Christmas. Can I, can I, should I sing it? <laughs> yeah. One pound of liver, two pounds of kidney, half pounds of steak, one pound of cheese, two eggs, two thick slices of bread, one cauliflower, ten peaches, four pears, two apples, four bananas, two pounds of plum. And I'm not even done yet because <laughs> on top of that, she had two glasses of milk. If you add that all up, that equals a grand total of 19 pounds of food. So, yeah, she was basically pregnant. And homegirl, I mean, I like organ meats, but you really went hard on the organ meats. This surprises me. (laughs) I mean, she knew what she was after. Apparently. But why only a quarter pound of steak? I would turn down the kidney and amp up the steak. That's if what I, I was, was thinking. Yeah. I like organ meats and I'm still together. like, you need to flip flop this. We talked about how fast the first woman died. This woman was in the hospital for hours and hours because she didn't suffocate. Her stomach ruptured. Yeah. And when you're and what's in your stomach? No bueno. Yeah. Is a bunch of gross nastiness. And it leaked into her body, which made her septic, and then she died Slow death, from yeah. that. Yeah. bacterial infection yeah so she died after 12 hours i'm surprised it was 12 honestly i feel like it 
could have been a lot longer. Which is just, oh my God, horrible to imagine. Ugh. And yeah, 24, just so young. Poor thing. And if you had to guess, what do you think these last two women had in common? An eating disorder! Ding, ding, ding. Both of these women who died suffered from bulimia, which not only does it like lead to binge eating and, and purging and right, that's kind of the cornerstone of bulimia, but actually by doing that, it makes your stomach more brittle. So in return, more likely to rupture. Do you know why that is? Because the periods of going without the stomach shrinks. So you'll see that as a World War II buff, you'll know this because, oh, with the concentration camps. And when they came out, if they ate too much rich food or too much food at once, their stomachs would burst. People died of wow. that after after World War II. Yeah. The concentration camp victims, they would gave them food. They didn't know any better. Yeah. And they died. There's actually there's a heartbreaking scene about it in Band of Brothers. You should watch Band of Brothers. It's on the list. <laughs> and then this just begs a question. So these women are included in the list of people who ate themselves to death, right? And there's more. These are just kind of the, the ones that come to mind and have different kind of reasons. And like I said, tales of caution about how you can avoid eating yourself to death. But when it comes down to it, two out of three, one obviously had a, a drug addiction and the two others mm-hmm. had a mental illness. So is it even mm-hmm. fair to say that they died of overeating or did they die of their mental illness? I mean, it feels like suicide by food, honestly. Well, truly, because if somebody does choose to kill themselves and they jump off of a building, we say that that cause of death is suicide, not from colliding with the, the asphalt at a high speed. Yeah. That's not the cause of death. It's that they chose to do that. And yeah, it does just feel like they lost their battle. Yeah. That's sad. It, it is sad, you know, and this is supposed to be a light podcast, but... <laughs> I guess this is, makes me take my late night binges a little bit more seriously. Maybe I should think about where this road leads. <laughs> we all could a little bit. So just because... It doesn't going to kill me. Odds are, for like 99.999% of us, I'm, we're not going to eat ourselves to death because we have healthy bodies, we have healthy tummies, we're going to find ourselves vomiting way before we die. But I also wanted to know, if I overeat, am I setting myself up to continue to overeat in the future? Can overeating, can binge eating make it so that my stomach is stretched and I can eat more the next time I decide I want to go ham on some ham. I think that is a real question because I have certainly had this thought before. I was like, what am I doing to myself? Am I setting myself up for future failure on these times? Well, I will say in theory, you could be, right? Because there's definitely historical data that says that you can change your stomach's elasticity, right? We talked about the POWs and the women who suffered from bulimia having trouble, you know, that affects their stomach, which could have led to their deaths and did lead to deaths after being released from or freed from concentration camps. On the flip side, Mm -hmm. you can technically train to have your stomach hold more. Competitive eaters do that all the time by drinking gallons of water. And... Mm-hmm. Fun history fact, King Louis XIV of France, a.k.a. the Sun King, 
After he died, he was um, a big uh, gourmand, which is one of the few words I retained from my French class because I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's me. It means lover of food. Big fatso. Yes. <laughs> but anyways, Louis XIV loved to eat. It was said that after he died, his stomach, when they, I guess, were doing his autopsy, his stomach was twice the size of a normal human's. Man after my own heart. Truly, I wonder if that's what happened to me at some point as well. <laughs> But in doing this study and learning about human anatomy, the ability to overeat has more to do with brain power than it does stomach capacity. So your brain overrides your stomach to say more, 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 more. Yes. And that's a trend that comes up with the competitive eaters where they can hold more in their stomach but it doesn't necessarily affect them in the long run. And a quote from a very famous competitive eater says, all the willpower that it takes to say, stop eating when I've had enough, it takes way more to keep eating when my body says no. Ugh. Yeah. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds distinctly unhealthy. Yeah, so his brain is saying like, you know, I can stop myself from overeating on Thanksgiving because I can have control of my body to say eat a pound and a half of hot dogs and water and buns oh jeez it has more to do with a brain telling us when and when not to eat than it does to actually like the holding capacity of our stomachs interesting because it also was found that stomach size is not correlated to overall body weight so it's all about calories in versus calories out as opposed to how much food can you eat in one sitting I guess I could see that, but my question is, I mean, there's a reason why gastric surgery works for people, right? They take their stomach down to the size of, like, what, a couple tablespoons? Yeah, because that will work over a long term. There's people who can ideally be at a healthy weight and only eat one big meal a day, right? Because that okay. big meal that they eat is the only calories they intake. And I think that that's a good example because I eat a lot in one sitting. We talked about that earlier but I, I generally don't snack so much throughout the day, and I don't eat a lot of meals. I, at most, will eat two meals a day. You know, I'm active on top of that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if you were just only seeing me when I'm eating my most, you would think, like, holy crap, this girl eats like <laughs> no other. But it is it does equal out over time. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, comes into calories in versus calories out. So the amount of calories you can eat in one sitting, maybe your stomach can hold a lot. But if it uses that over a 24-hour period, then you're you're leveling out. Exactly. Yeah. So people assume people who are heavier have bigger stomachs, but that's not all the case. Because somebody who just consistently eats, eats, eats throughout the day, they could be at a higher BMI but just never sit down and have like a gorgy meal. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I'm I a grazer. We, I'm a grazer. We, I think we all learned about that during COVID because we all suddenly our kitchens were there all day, every day. <laughs> it makes a difference. Yeah. So that wraps up the research I did. You probably can't eat yourself to death, but there are lots of interesting things when it comes to our stomach, our stomach size, and our approach to food. And I think that surprise player in the equation, the brain, has a lot to do with that. And we will come back to that when we get into our musing section. All right. So 
why do we think that overeating is seen as a taboo? You know, I had two schools of thought on this. The first comes from a scarcity model. When we are cave people, food is scarce. There's, it's limited. You know, when somebody sits down and pigs out and eats more than their quote-unquote fair share, Mm -hmm. that would rub a lot of your cave comrades the wrong way. I think it probably comes from that seven deadly sins. Maybe those two are kind of the same thing. Because as we've discussed previously, nobody likes that person who takes the last piece of pizza. Even without a scarcity model, we don't want to be taken away. And that makes me think of... When I was in grade school and they talked about the seven deadly sins and and gluttony, one of the examples they gave was, oh, if there's so many pieces of pizza and you take another slice before somebody else does, that is gluttony. It's like that like hoarding mentality, less so than like if there's plenty for everybody and you, you eat more than, you know, maybe you should. Maybe that's not so much of a concern. It's the taking away from others. From somebody somebody else. Yeah. And I think that that's where it comes from. But on the flip side, I think in our modern society, nothing is scarce anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, for us as comfortable middle class Americans, we have access to as much food as we need whenever we need it. We're hard pressed to ever be in a situation where we can't go out and get food. Yeah. It could be three in the morning. I can go down the street to my 24-hour grocer and I can get food. Mm-hmm. So then why does that mo- like why does that mindset still apply? And I think it comes from when the pendulum swings too far the other way. So suddenly we're not worried about somebody taking my f- I mean we're all still a little bit worried about someone taking my food. That's why I don't share <laughs> don't my take food. That sh- don't take that shit. Oh, <laughs> funny story. So my husband and I will make a frozen pizza and he gets his set amount which is like two thirds and then I get one third and then one time I gave mm-hmm. him like part of my share of the pizza you're watching it the whole time like you motherfucker no no I'm looking <laughs> at him and he literally doesn't finish and he starts to give it to the goddamn dog and I was like whoa 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 <laughs> okay I was giving it to you to be nice if you don't want it it goes to me before the dog by default yeah, yeah, that's my pizza. That would make me mad too. And even in a world where I literally, am, I've never been hungry. I've never wanted for food. I've worried where my next meal comes from. I'm still possessive. Of, I'm very possessive of food. I'm food aggressive. I would get put down in the shelter. <laughs> I would not make it. They would not be able to find me a home. But I think that that then flips the pendulum swings the other way where there's so much. We start to judge people for not having self-control. So it goes from the self, yeah. the thing's still there. You don't have control of yourself to share with others. But then it flips to the other side where it's just like, you know that's not good for you. You know that you've had enough, but you still can't stop yourself. And yeah. that becomes a weakness. Yeah, that that tracks for me because I often think that same thing about myself. It's just like, God, you should know better. You should be able to control yourself better. And there, there's definitely shame associated with that. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't blame people for judging me for it because I judge myself for it. <laughs> well, and exactly, and that's what comes down to my next question is like, I feel like I overeat all the time, and I mean, there's no doubt that I overeat to the point where my physically uncomfortable like that has happened but Mm. I've never had to throw up because I've eaten so much and I don't think I'm alone in that I think a lot of times where we feel very uncomfortable after eating it might not be so physically driven and that begs the question is the discomfort that we feel after overeating is it strictly physical or is it because we have violated that taboo 
I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's that it's definitely not a good feeling. I mean, that's why you're on the oh, dance no. floor, you know, not feeling good. But on top of that physical feeling is that shame or that thought of like, God, you should have known better. You should, Why did you do this to yourself? That berating yourself, it puts you in a bad place physically and a bad place emotionally at the same time, which just all comes together to just everyone's feeling no bueno. <laughs> Truly. And when it comes down to it, though, am I as physically uncomfortable as I think I am? Or am I just hitting that code orange, right? Where my stomach's mm-hmm. like, stop it. Really stop it. And maybe <laughs> tiptoeing into that ochre situation. Is it? Then my mind compounds that. So how much does our brain, that puppet mass, well, I my brain's pretty much a puppet to the stomach, I will say. <laughs> but how how much is that secret person behind the scenes, how much does the brain play in versus? If you're going to say the discomfort that you feel after binge eating on a typical binge eating day, like not Thanksgiving, because we all mm-hmm. put more than we should in our bellies on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. But in a typical, you know, weekend or time that you feel like you ate too much, if you're going to give a percentage to it, how much is brain versus how much is physical limits? Um, I would say maybe like 40-60, so 40% brain, 60% physical. Okay. That would be my my split. My head goes to the fact that my brain's probably more involved in it than it should be. Because we looked at that data and we looked at the, the scientific facts and your stomach and your lower intestines starts moving stuff on pretty quickly. So when I'm uncomfortable, when I've eaten myself to the point of discomfort with belching and starting to digest, that should clear out somewhat quickly. But the guilt lingers and the discomfort lingers for hours and hours. I feel like this also might be down to the way the food affects your body because though you can't gain five pounds in fat overnight from eating something, you can gain five pounds in water weight and like inflammation. You know, like they there's research on like sugar and salt and about what it does to your body. I mean, I feel like I can look in the mirror and be like, girl, you need to cut back. And it's Mm. not necessarily fat. It's that bloat. And so I feel like maybe that discomfort is not strictly just coming from your stomach and it's like stretchiness, but also just from like whatever else is going on in the metabolization. Uh, Metabolization. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, whatever that is, that 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 is partly where the discomfort comes from, especially hours after your stomach has shrunk down to its like normalish size. But you've got other things going on there as your body uses all this shit that it's shoved inside and of it. And I think that is such a good point and so fair because this episode wasn't about nutrition. And I have no idea how salt and sodium and all that stuff works. But I could I could take a very educated guess that a wedding buffet is going to be very high in salt and sodium. You would be correct. <gasps> I Give me a degree. Actually, do they even give degrees for nutritionists anymore, or do they just give them Instagrams? (laughs) You have graduated. Here is your Instagram account. (laughs) Go on and tell people how to live their lives and how to feel shitty about themselves. That's that's how it works. So all of this compounding, so yes, I think that what kind of food plays a difference, 
how much you eat, you do feel physical discomfort, but I think your brain plays a role in there too. And it had me thinking the discomfort, the physical discomfort amplified by your mental anguish over breaking Mm -hmm. a taboo. Is this just like the food version of slut shaming? Just trying to keep us in our place and keep us from breaking the taboo or punishing us for doing something that it's deemed wrong by society? That's a good question. I mean, it's definitely shaming. I don't know if it's a version of slut shaming. I just think it's just generally like everyone should know better. I should know not to eat fucking the whole tub of Ben and Jerry's. And I'm sitting there like, God, I should know better. I don't know. Is this how girls feel after they've had sex with five guys? Do they sit there like, oh, with God, I should have done that. Once, five guys over a time frame? What is total? That's not that many total. <laughs> <laughs> no, not total. Like in your lifetime, no, five isn't anything. But I don't know, go five guys in one night. Are they sitting there like, oh God, I shouldn't have done that. I blah, 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 blah. But I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's just a version of shame. And that comes in so many different packages. Food shaming, slut shaming. I don't know what other like things we could put on there. But I feel like just shame is such a pervasive thing in our society. Oh, definitely. It's what keeps us in line, right? Shame is what's used. But is there anything morally wrong, even with eating the Ben and Jerry's, with eating more than you should at a wedding? There's nothing inherently morally wrong with that. Yet we feel shame about it. Yeah. I I think it comes down to, to norms, you know, my mindset is often like normal people don't do this. That's like where my brain goes. I, I don't know what normal is. Yeah, I, I don't. That's know. definitely something that you were taught because normal people do everything. We eat the whole pint of Ben and Jerry's. We have that third or fourth glass of wine. We overeat. When we're having a good time and wanting to just relax and unwind. Well, then maybe it is then the discomfort that comes from it. Because that extra glass of wine, you know, the next day you're like, oh, fucking hell. Well, <laughs> you in know that what case, I mean? there's like real physical consequences. Well, eating has real physical consequences. You know, you don't feel great. You feel distended. You feel bloated. You feel lethargic. You know what I mean? Like these are all real physical consequences that we're feeling. The slut shaming, I, I feel mean, like, is probably more physical consequences. Shaming. You could have your cookies and cream coming out, and you're, that's not comfortable. <laughs> A little chat down yeah, below. You can have the physical things. Maybe it's because I was raised Catholic, but the guilt is always there. And I think that whether that's from overeating, over drinking, or oversexing not anymore because it's legal in the eyes of God. Thank you, holy matrimony. <laughs> I can go to my priest and be like, yeah, I fuck. What? What about it? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. You can't keep blessed this shit. You can't even do anything, you know? Yeah, he really can't do anything. What have you been up to, Father? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. We hope nothing. I hope nothing. Well, as long as it's with the consenting adult, I say Mm -hmm. more power to you. But hey, teacher, leave them kids alone. Hey, preacher. Leave those boys alone. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh. <laughs> How do we end up back in pedophiles? It always comes back to sodomy. <laughs> Dear God. When you hear the word sodomy, I think that's time for us to wrap this up. <laughs> Which you should also do if you're doing sodomy because it's more more likely for tearing. And if you don't 
have yeah, you know, exclusivity with your sexual partner. I just say wrap it up, wrap it up. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do here right now. We are going to wrap this shit up. We're going to put on our prophylactic and end this podcast. So thank you so much for listening. You can get more rude content on all of our socials. TikTok, yes. Tickety talk, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Am I missing anything? No. Or you can visit us at impolitesocietypodcast.com. And send us your rude questions on the website or by emailing us at rude at impolitesocietypodcast.com. We want to hear from you. We might feature it on a Fan Friday episode. Yes, because we only apparently talk about food and sex. That's our that's our perspective <laughs> on the world, and we love it. We're just a bunch of apes, food and sex. But that's I mean, there's want. other people who have other other rude questions. And as always, download, rate, and review. We are two nobodies trying to make it in a world of podcast of so many podcast mountains. What do I hear? We got drums. There they are. Oh, well, it's been great. It's been real. I'm going to go work on a uh, pint of Ben & Jerry's myself. I have Halo Top, so I'm going to work on that pint of Halo Top. Oh, you skinny bitch. (laughs) Whatever. I'm going to eat the whole fucking thing. I'm going to eat the whole fucking thing. Bye. Oh, matrimonial vomitorium. (laughs)